Hello and welcome back to Staying in Tune. I'm your host, Riley Vale, and I'm so excited for this episode. So if you heard last week's quick intro, I'm 16, I love music, and this is kind of my passion project as well as something that I'm doing for choir. So today I decided we're going to talk about songs that make me feel like fall and just overall fall-themed albums that I feel like a lot of you are really going to dig if you don't already like them already, and I'm just super excited. So before we begin, huge shout out to Anchor. This platform is fantastic. If you listened to the last episode, you know that I've never really had a podcast before, so I was really stressed out trying to figure out how I was going to set this up. Anchor is super easy to use, and I highly recommend it. All right, so let's kind of get into it. So before we begin, I want to say these like fall-themed albums, they don't literally need to be about fall. They just kind of give me the feeling fall gives me. And I was lucky enough to grow up in Colorado. I still live in Colorado. And we experience a pretty standard fall with all the leaves changing and just like that super nice fall weather. And if you don't live in a place like Colorado or you just don't really get season changes, I hope the feeling of these albums kind of places you in Colorado or New England or hell, even the Midwest, where you can kind of feel like you're there and seeing all the leaves change anyways. Just a quick PSA before we begin. I ramble a lot when I talk. If I feel like I'm going off on a tangent, skip 15 seconds ahead and I will get to the part that's actually important. So I'm still working on my podcast speaking skills. They're not great right now, but just like be kind, be gentle. I'm really trying. (laughs) All right, let's get into it. So it was really hard picking just five albums to talk about. And I know by the end of this podcast, you guys are probably going to be like, oh my God, she was talking for forever. But I just had like a list of 20 albums that I loved and I felt like I listened to all the time in the fall. And these top five, they are all ranked equally. These are all my number ones. If your favorite wasn't mentioned, I probably still really like it. I just didn't have time. So leave me a message. Let me know what you think and we'll figure it out from there. So the first album we're going to talk about today is Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. Rumors is one of my favorite albums of all time. I think it is so good. If you haven't listened to it yet, stop the podcast right here, right now, and go stream it, go listen to it, and just kind of get a vibe because I just think it's one of those things that everyone needs to listen to at least once in their lives. So the song Dreams has recently made a comeback as there was a TikTok that kind of went viral of this guy longboarding down like the side of the highway, drinking cran raspberry juice and listening to Dreams. It was a total vibe, but now everyone's like kind of getting into them again. And that's super awesome because the more Fleetwood Mac fans this world has, the better. So I feel like this song has a fall vibe because it just makes sense. I don't really know how to describe it, but I was driving to school the other day and I was listening to the album on shuffle and just kind of the folksy and slight rock influences kind of just encapsulate how I feel about fall And just, it sets the aesthetic. I know that does not make sense to anybody except for myself right now. But I'm just saying, go drive around, listen to it. And I also recommend kind of thinking of an ex. It can be an ex-significant other, an ex-friend or whatever. And specifically listening to Dreams Go Your Own Way in Silver Springs. Because that's just a whole vibe. I know that it's therapeutic for me. 
But those three songs are A, my favorite off the album, and B, they just kind of fit the vibe I'm trying to describe here. I feel like the best way I could put it is if I had to assign a color to this album, it would be like a burnt orange. It just, it seems that way. If anybody who's listening has synesthesia and wants to kind of jump in on that, listen to it and kind of tell me about their experiences, I would love that because that interests me so much, but that's not really important. So again, it's one of those, I think everybody needs to listen to it. I think it fits the vibe so well, and I'm going to be listening to Fleetwood Mac all winter, and I just would not recommend it more. I love it to death, and I think that overall, it's one of those albums that everybody kind of likes. It might not be your favorite, but I know everybody I know has an appreciation for it, And even if it's not their favorite or even if they don't really like the vibe Fleetwood Mac has, they can just kind of appreciate this cocaine-fueled rage of an album. (laughs) And again, it's so interesting. I love this album. I know I'm rambling, but it's fantastic. Go listen to it. All right, the next album we're going to talk about is Vampire Weekend's self-titled debut. I love this album. I think Vampire Weekend is just such a fun band, and I just really love listening to all of their albums. And in specific, this album has a ton of super fun orchestrations in it. And if you don't really listen to Vampire Weekend, they have a ton of classical influence, and their lyricism is absolutely insane. The band all met when they were in Columbia, and they all were just kind of trying to get used to just this East Coast elite group of people. And kind of feeling like they didn't fit in. And those sentiments really like show in the lyrics of this album and kind of the ways each song is written. My favorite songs off this album are Oxford, Walcott, and Cape Cod, Kwasa Kwasa. I have so many favorites. It's so hard to like narrow it down to three. I would say my second favorites are A-Punk and Campus. Everyone I know has listened to A-Punk at some point. It's just like the super quirky song that got pretty mainstream. But I would say Walcott is probably like my number one favorite. It just, the lyrics are fantastic. Like, especially in Oxford comma, where one of the biggest like repeated lyrics is who gives a fuck about an Oxford comma and just kind of talking about how all these kids who are like super elite and go to this like super rich private school and who are just like acting all sophisticated and Ezra Koenig is like, okay, And what about it? Like, why is this so important? Why do you feel like you need the need to be superior to everybody else? And that song is just super fun. I mean, I go to a public high school that isn't the richest around, but we're also not super poor. So I kind of understand the people who Koenig was writing about. And then with Walcott, my favorite lyric out of it is, don't you want to get out of Cape Cod tonight? And just kind of being like, can we go somewhere else? Can we get away from this elitist nature and just kind of go experience life and just go have fun for once and not feel super stressed? And then Cape Cod, Quasa Quasa is just a super fun song because it's totally making fun of these elite people. And they're all like, oh, did you go do all that stuff back at your summer home? Did you get everything in order? Is everything perfect? It's just, it's so funny. I love it dearly. And the rest of the album is great. But I just think this album overall, if you don't think it has a fall vibe, that's totally cool. I just kind of associate it with school and considering the fact that they wrote it about their peers at school and kind of their experiences of school, I just kind of paired it all together in my head. 
And if you don't listen to any other songs on this album, that's totally fine. But at a minimum, listen to Campus, A-Punk, Cape Cod, Kwasa Kwasa, Walcott, and Oxford, comma. All 10 out of 10s. Love them dearly. All right. So the next album we're going to talk about isn't its own album. It's actually two different albums because both of these albums aren't fully fall to me and I just love them both and I think we should talk about them because some of y'all might really like these and some of y'all might not. So we should open up the discussion and get it going. Both of these albums are by Lana Del Rey and Lana, she's something else. If you've been following her recently, you would know she's kind of fallen to quite a few problematic situations and I've really liked Lana since last year, but oh god, like if you take anything from her actions lately, wear a mask and wear an actual mask, please. And just don't question the culture. <laughs> if you don't understand what I'm talking about, go on Twitter. You'll find everything you need there. But anyways, the two albums of hers we're going to be talking about today are Ultraviolence and Norman fucking Rockwell. Ultraviolence is probably the better one on an artistic level, but for me, my personal favorite is Norman fucking Rockwell, and that could be because that was the first Lana album I ever really got into, and it might also be because, personally, I like her sound a lot more on that album, but on the other side, Norman fucking Rockwell, it isn't basic, but it also isn't as artistically complex and delicate as Ultraviolence is. So we're going to start with Ultraviolence and then we'll get into Norman fucking Rockwell and kind of talk about how both of these albums kind of represent Lana's growth as an artist, but it also kind of fits the fall vibes in that you have Ultraviolence, which is her sophomore album, I believe, and it's really strong for a sophomore album, but Norman fucking Rockwell it just kind of shows her as a solid artist, as somebody who's kind of figured out their footing in the industry, and even though Lana has been robbed with the Grammys and just overall as an artist, she's kind of figured out her place and is kind of like owning her authority and really touching into what she wants to do versus what she might have to do. And also in contrast, Lana struggled with a lot of issues in the beginning of her career, so seeing her do better in Norman fucking Rockwell in that whole era just that's probably why I like it more it's more of a showing of her growth as a character but that's why ultraviolence is also so good because she had a lot going on at the time and it's kind of a reflection of where she was as an artist and her maturity and figuring out the music industry and kind of making it in the industry so again I would highly recommend listening to both but you kind of know where I stand on those. I'd love to hear what you guys think. And again, Lana is her own entity. So as much as I hate this saying, we're going to separate music from the artist until she figures it out. So anything I say is not an endorsement of her or her actions. I think we need to hold her accountable. While cancel culture probably shouldn't be applied here, I think that it is really important to hold our favorites accountable. And these celebrities who we idolize shouldn't be immune to any sort of criticism when they're doing actions that could potentially harm other people. And before I get on my soapbox about that, I'm just going to stop myself here, keep it music related, not go too deep into it. 
So now let's actually talk about the music. All right, so Ultraviolence. Ultraviolence, it is a hit or miss album. Like I was mentioning before, when we first started talking about Lana, she's very like one way or the other with people. People either pretty much really like her or they don't, which both views are completely okay because she's one of those artists where it's like she doesn't have kind of an all-encompassing sound. She isn't your traditional pop artist. She kind of, she makes music for herself. That's really what I was trying to think of there. And she isn't really there to conform to what other people want out of her, which is why I think she's like very back and forth because some people really want to hear the sound out of her and that's not what she's going for at the moment. And I think that's something that should be respected because Personally, the kind of music that I dislike the most is the music that is very clearly made for radio, that is very clearly made to be a top 40 hit. I'd rather hear something that maybe doesn't break the Billboard 200, but like has meaning behind it and is deeply personal to the artist because I feel like those songs make me feel more in tune to what the artist is trying to convey than something that's completely manufactured. So that's me personally. I'm not saying pop songs are bad. I truly do enjoy a lot of top 40 hits, but I feel like I would rather have something that's maybe a little longer, that maybe isn't as popular, that's really artistically driven than something that didn't take as long and is just kind of out there to be played on like hits one or whatever. No shade to hits one, but that's just my personal feeling. So with Ultraviolence, I would say my top three songs from this album are Brooklyn Baby, Shades of Cool, and West Coast. If you don't listen to anything else out of Ultraviolence and you only listen to those three, that's fine. But I feel like those three are the ones that you have to listen to. And then just go listen to the whole album while you're at it. But anyways, I would say my favorite out of those three is West Coast, followed really closely by Brooklyn Baby. West Coast artistically is fantastic. She just, I can't even describe how she does it, but that song, straight ascension to heaven. Like, there isn't another song that I think would fit just kind of this whole vibe I'm going for. And I'm just now realizing this as I've been recording it and trying to get this podcast done over the past week, is that... I realize that not a lot of people are going to understand what I'm trying to get at when I'm saying the fall vibe. So if you don't understand it, please leave a message or whatever, because I feel like I could go more in depth in that in the next episode. So yeah, whatever. But back to the point. I'm sorry. I go on tangents when I'm talking again, starting the podcast, figuring it out, whatever. So sorry for the weird cut. We had a weird recording moment and had to redo it. But anyways, West Coast, best song on the album, just artistically and based off of personal taste. I would say if we're going on an artistic level and just what is musically the best all around on a production, music, melodic, lyricist, whatever, I would say it goes West Coast, Cruel World, and then Brooklyn Baby and Shades of Cool. But Cruel World isn't one of my favorites, but listen to that too if you find yourself really vibing with the album and you really like it but anyways let's talk about brooklyn baby brooklyn baby is one of those songs where i haven't met a single person who listens to lana who doesn't like that song and my friends who aren't huge lana friends have really liked brooklyn baby so i think it's one of those songs that it is a lana song but it also has 
elements of her in kind of a more pop style. It was personally one of my favorite Lana songs when I first started getting into her, so I would highly recommend that one, especially if you listen to West Coast and you're kind of like not really into it. Brooklyn Baby is really upbeat. It's really fun. It's just like, it's just so fun. It's super cool. If you're on TikTok, there was a moment last year where there was a part of it that was kind of going semi-viral, so you might recognize it from there. But anyways, it's one of those songs for me. It's like very easy listening, and I don't want to talk too much about it because I feel like there's not a ton to say because I can't really put it into words, but I really appreciate that song, so go listen to it. All right, and the third song we're going to talk about is Shades of Cool. Shades of Cool was the first song off of Ultraviolence that I listened to and really, really liked. It just has such a cool, like, kind of instrumental vibe to it. This whole album with the synthesizers and layered vocals and just kind of the way that Lana produces the song and puts it all together, it's interesting. I personally really like it, but like I've been mentioning, it isn't the type of album you would listen to if you were, like trying to get excited, trying to get hyped. It's like an easy listening, you're doing homework, you're driving home, like not a super energetic album. So Shades of Cool, I think the reason why I like it so much is because it has all of these amazing harmonies and the way Lana just performs these melodies and just really utilizes her voice, it's incredibly impressive. And Lana has an insane range, and she has such an interesting tone to her voice that I feel like Shades of Cool is her best song on the album on a melodic standpoint and a vocal standpoint. I'm a singer. I've been singing forever, so I feel like I definitely appreciate that a lot more than somebody who doesn't really have a huge musical background would. But that song overall, best melodies, best vocals, that's all I really have to say about it. Lyricism is really good, not my favorite, but it's also just really nice to listen to another Ultraviolence Essential. And that's all I really have to say on Ultraviolence. We'll start talking about Norman fucking Rockwell next, but Ultraviolence, great album. Go listen to it. Those three songs are my favorite. Tell me what your favorites are because I love to have these kind of discussions and maybe some of y'all's insight will help me kind of listen to a song, see it in a different light, and maybe I'll appreciate it more then. So, great. All right, now we're getting into the fun part. Norman fucking Rockwell. My favorite Lana album. I adore this album with my whole heart. This one has more of a fall vibe than Ultraviolence does, but there's just, there's so much I could say about this album that I know I don't have time for, but I think primarily I really want to talk about the greatest Cinnamon Girl and the title track, Norman Fucking Rockwell, of course. Those three are like my personal favorites out of just taste, but the entire album is fantastic. For me, it's a no-skip album. I'll listen to the whole thing. I really love it. So again, all my opinions are subjective. My top three switch all the time. Honorable mentions are Happiness is a Butterfly and Hope is a Dangerous Thing. So again, I love the entire album. But anyways, let's get into it. Let's first start with Cinnamon Girl because that was my favorite song off the album for a really long time. This song is just like the perfect angsty teenager song. Like nobody really understands me. Just super 
Lana Del Rey. I don't really know how else to describe it. It is one of those songs where if this album came out when I was 12, I probably would have listened to it and just was like, I'm not like other girls. I'm so deep. I'm so quirky. But of course, that is not how I think you guys should interpret this song because it's a lot more than that. It's like on a musical standpoint, it's a very simple song in that the melody is really simple. The chords are really simple. But the way she kind of layers and forms the song is like fantastic. The buildup is so great to when you're ending the second chorus and she has all these layers and these harmonies and just these split vocals and it sounds amazing. And in particular, the lyric, if you hold me without hurting me, you'll be the first who ever did, really resonates with me just because issues. But at the same time, I think that this song is probably one of her more relatable ones for anybody. I think that it just kind of encompasses the feeling of just never really being treated right and kind of having trouble putting your place into a new relationship. This song was my favorite during fall of last year. I specifically remember doing one of my driving tests with an instructor and that instructor was listening to the song and we we're driving through all these fall leaves. So maybe that's why it reminds me of fall, but that's kind of my spiel on it. This song is probably my third favorite out of my top three. But that kind of leads me into Norman fucking Rockwell because while Cinnamon Girl is more simple, Norman fucking Rockwell has these super cool orchestrations at the beginning. Like, it feels like an overture with these super high strings that are playing the melody of the chorus. And then it just kind of fades into this really nice kind of jazzy piano. And her lyrics in this song are so good. They just kind of encompass the feeling of the album, which is probably why it's the title track. And it's a very simple song. It's one of my favorites. It is one of those songs where I find myself never skipping it. I just kind of listen to it and just kind of appreciate it because she just really kind of encompasses the feeling of growing up during this really weird time and kind of touching back into the time when Norman Rockwell was a painter and kind of a time that's been long gone and that people try to reminisce on. In particular, my favorite lyric is, your poetry's bad and you blame the news because it reminds me of our current president. And it's just like one of those lyrics where I feel like I never would have made that up, but I'm really glad she did because it just really resonates with me. And I think the ending of the song really showcases her vocals in a great way. because She does this thing and she's like, you color me blue. I like I can't sing it but it sounds so good in the song and she has this fun little riff with it it has a lot of jazz influence I personally really like that jazz is a great genre of music I love it it's like probably the first genre I really got into when I was young so I really appreciate that about this album so that's kind of my spiel on Norman fucking Rockwell the song and it kind of I don't really know I think it would be my number one if I just kind of understood the lyrics and resonated it with the song a little more. But it's a personal favorite of a lot of people I know. It's a great title song. So I would really recommend listening to that. And now we're going to kind of get into my favorite song off the album, which I also think is the best song artistically off the album. I don't remember if I said that about Norman fucking Rockwell, but they're both equally number one for best artistic choices. So now we're going to talk about the greatest. 
The Greatest is an amazing song for her vocally. Her lyrics are so good on this. It's just, it reminds me of being super drunk at a bar. It's 3.30 a.m. You're trying to go home with your ex-boyfriend again, and it's just kind of a mess. Not like I'm speaking from personal experience. I'm 16, but it just kind of reminds me a lot of the stories and the movies I've watched, and it paints a really nice picture in my head of kind of what she's singing about in this song. And I feel like this song and Happiness as a Butterfly kind of go together. It's like this song is kind of the setting up of the scene where Happiness as a Butterfly is when you're actually going home with your ex and kind of figuring it out. But with the greatest, this one is kind of the best sign of the times song that she has on this album. She kind of just sings about what it's like to be growing up in this time of insane tumultuous politics and all this stuff is going on and this album came out in 2019 so she was writing in 2018 to 2019 and obviously the year 2020 has been a mess but the lyrics still kind of hold true to like this common era for me the chorus is my favorite part of the song where she says don't leave i just need a wake-up call so like i need help i need someone to tell me what's going on because she feels incredibly lost and the ending part of the song i know a lot of people skip over it but it's personally my favorite part when she's singing hawaii just missed a fireball la is in flames it's getting hot and um kanye west is long and gone life on mars ain't just a song and kind of It feels like she's just talking into the microphone about her observations. If any of you are familiar with the song Love It If We Made It by the 1975, that song was written by compiling a bunch of headlines that the lead singer and their manager had found over the years. I get that same vibe from the ending of this song, how it feels like she's just kind of reading off the alerts she's getting on her phone and kind of getting a grasp on what's going on in these modern times where everything feels way more crazy than it was before. And that's where I feel like it ties into Norman fucking Rockwell because Norman fucking Rockwell is reminiscing on something like a simpler time when in reality we all know life is never simple. There is no such thing as a simpler time. But when you're comparing it to the greatest, when there's so much going on that you need to process, it's easy to romanticize the past and want to be back in a time where it feels like nothing was really going on. So I feel like the juxtaposition of those two kind of brings this whole album together. And I think that's why they're my favorites, because I feel like I draw that conclusion. If you listen to Norman fucking Rockwell and you really like it, like, let me know if you also have those same thoughts, because I might be pulling this out of my butt and not knowing what the hell I'm talking about. But I think that that's the best part to me. So let me know. I'm really enjoying doing this with y'all and kind of feeling like we have a discussion. So let's just get into it. This has been super fun. And... I know we're not quite done yet. We have two more albums to talk about, but I really thank you all for being here with me and kind of having this discussion because it's just a great place to talk about it and be free and have opinions because we all know life is so crazy right now. So the last thing we need is another thing to just remind us of all the insanity and just kind of hone back, talk about music, talk about something that everybody loves at their core. And that's my spiel on it. Probably should have saved that for the end, but that's how I feel and I hope you guys feel the same way so let's get into the last two albums because I'm really excited about these final two all right so next we have Red by Taylor Swift Taylor Swift has always been my favorite so I'm super excited to talk about this one 
just because it's Taylor Swift. Like, I grew up with Taylor Swift. I've always listened to her. And Red has consistently been one of my favorite albums of all time. So if you've never listened to Red, I think it's one of Taylor's best albums. It was my favorite album of hers until her latest album, Folklore, came out. But I think Red just kind of has always been my fall album. And that's maybe because it came out in the fall, but I also think that it kind of has the same feeling as when everything's kind of dying down, and that's reflected in a lot of her songs. So to pick a top three for this album was so hard for me. I wish y'all could see like this drawing I had out where I was picking them, I was trying to rank them, and I was like, I can't do this, but I figured it out. So my top three are Treacherous, all too well, of course, and Holy Ground. So we're going to start with Treacherous because it wasn't one of my favorites until very recently. In this song, it's so underrated. I love it dearly. It kind of, it just is so nice to listen to. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. But for me, it's kind of a better Taylor Swift song because it is one of those songs where Taylor Swift has no specific genre. You can technically classify her as a pop artist, but all of her music has all these different influences, where for me, it's really hard to kind of narrow her down. So I think with Treacherous, it has some really nice country and pop influences to it. It's definitely more on the pop side, but it kind of feels more like an older Taylor Swift song, like I would probably hear this song on Speak Now. And it's just like, it has a very simple melody. And her lyrics are so incredible. She has always been a fantastic lyricist. If you don't like Taylor Swift, I would hope you can still at least admit that she's probably one of the strongest songwriters of our time. Her mainstream songs are not her best songwriting, but this song just has a great just description of unrequited love. Something that you can't really have, someone you can't really hold but you still want so badly that you're willing to do anything for them. In specific, the lyric that I feel resolves like the most to me is um, nothing safe is worth the drive because I listen to the song all the time at night. I've listened to it before when I was just kind of driving by my ex-boyfriend's house when we were still kind of a thing and I was just like sitting there. And I was like, haha, reminds me of you. But anyways, <laughs> It has this imagery of these two lovers who just can't be together. For me and a lot of people on Twitter, because that's where I kind of got this idea from, a lot of people kind of see it as a gay anthem and something about being closeted and being in love with somebody who's the same gender as you and kind of feeling like you could never be with that person even though you want to so badly. So that song, I love it dearly. I think it fits the vibe better than any of these other songs. But again, let me know. And on the flip side, we have All Too Well, which is arguably one of the best breakup songs of all time. I cannot tell you guys how many times I've listened to this song when a guy and I had a thing that didn't work out or I broke up with somebody or they broke up with me. And it was just like everything was just so bad and I was so angry and I just kind of needed to drive around and just let it out. So this song is a favorite by so many people. Even people who aren't really huge fans of Taylor Swift still love this song. So I think if you listen to anything by Taylor Swift, you listen to All Too Well. Because it was originally like 20 minutes. Like Jake Gyllenhaal and Taylor dated, if you didn't know. And when he broke up with her, 
the fact that she went and wrote this just absolutely scathing breakup song about him is absolutely insane. I probably wouldn't have been able to do it, but the lyrics in this are so good. Like it just kind of conveys the anger you feel after a breakup and you're like, why did you do this to me? Why was I treated this badly? Why did you think you had the right to do that? And even if you're happy in a relationship, I think you could kind of put that aside and listen to it and just kind of feel her anger because it's clearly a song that she had a tough time writing and it's very personal to her. I think the live performances of it just hit super hard and overall it's a fantastic song very rock influenced my favorite part is the build-up to like the climax where it's like you have these drums and these guitars and it's like going super hard and then she goes into her whole maybe we got lost in translation and the whole bridge till it escalates and she's just like letting it all out that's the part I scream in my car. Sometimes I probably shouldn't be driving when I'm singing that part. But then it just dies down to the, like this really just precise, angry and like passive aggressive tone where she's like, well, here we are. Here's what you did. And it's like the scary kind of angry where they're like really quiet and you know they're super mad. And it's just all of this is going on. I think it's so good. I am so bad at describing this, but it's an amazing album. I just that song in particular, it has something in me. I'm like, yes, Taylor, you go. And if I was Jake Gyllenhaal or any of his family members, I'd probably crawl under a rock and die because I have no idea how like he kept showing his face in public after she wrote that about him because like, oh, God. Yeah, go listen to it if you haven't. Again, I have no idea how to describe it. So my last song is Holy Ground. Holy Ground is a really sweet, it's really bittersweet song about how you kind of have this breakup with somebody and you're looking back at it and you're like, you know what, it was good, but we weren't good for each other. And again, it's very bittersweet. It's very like releasing. It's kind of just like, it was good at the time. It wasn't good anymore, but there was something there when we had it, and I'm really grateful I had that time with you. So it's just like a very like letting go kind of song. It's my favorite song at the moment, and while All Too Well is like the super angry part of the breakup where it like just happened, Holy Ground is like the healing part of it. And I think my favorite lyric from it is when um, she goes... And I guess we fell apart in the usual way and our story got dust on every page. So it's just over it and there's nothing else happening and you're kind of sitting there alone and reminiscing on it and just not feeling any anger or resentment towards that person. And I think that's why it's my favorite song because I know personally it took me a really long time to get over my last breakup and he was somebody who I really cared for and he didn't put as much into the relationship as I did. And I was really angry about that. But now I kind of listen to Holy Ground and that's exactly how I feel about him. Because I'm just like, it was good when we had it. But at the same time, I can't hold on to this anger anymore. I think that's exactly what she's describing. So those three are like my holy trinity. They all have very, very different vibes. And I think those three are good for anybody kind of depending on your place in life. If you're in a relationship, you're probably going to like Treacherous a lot more than the others. If you're moving on, you're more of a holy ground person. 
And if you really like All Too Well, all I can say is go get a hug, let it all out, but you've got it. Like, that song, oof. But anyways, that was like a mess. I'm so sorry. I'm, it's like eight o'clock right now. I'm really tired. Been a long day. So that's kind of my spiel on Taylor Swift. And then we have our final album, which I hope is going to be a little shorter than the last two, but just hang on. We'll get to the end and it'll be all good. The final album we're going to be talking about is Harry Styles' self-titled debut. This album was incredible coming from somebody who had just gotten out of this like pop band, boy band at that. And I think Harry Styles' like defining moment as a rock star came from this album. His newest album, Fine Line, is definitely his better album, but at the same time I would say this song did more to define him as his separate artist instead of being part of One Direction than Fine Line did. And that might be because it was his debut, but it also kind of defined his sound. And there's so many things I could say about this album. I'll be referring to it as HS1. And my top three from this album are From the Dining Table, Sign of the Times, and Ever Since New York. So let's just kind of get into it because I feel like this album, I could have a lot to say about it, but I also really don't. And that isn't a bad thing. It's just kind of a, this album is its own thing. I don't think I could describe it well enough to do it justice. So we'll start with Sign of the Times, which was his leading single into this album. And Sign of the Times established him as this, not exactly a rock star, but as a rising rock star, if that makes any sense. So if you don't know the general meaning of the song, it is about a mom who is currently dying in childbirth and she has five minutes to tell her child to go and conquer the world and do their life, even if it has to be without her. And I think the most heartbreaking part of the song is the lyric, just stop your crying, it's a sign of the times. So she's telling her child to just stop crying. So the last five minutes she has, she takes it to comfort her child. And for me, always gets me crying. But anyways, let's talk about the musical style. This song starts very slow, just a simple piano. It's in 4-4, so you're going simple chords, nothing really huge to it. But it styles his vocals that really take it to the next level. Harry is an incredible vocalist. He has an insane range and he is a fantastic belt. Like, I wish I could belt as well as Harry Styles does. But it also changed him from kind of being seen as a pop star into somebody with real, just like gritty talent. And I'm not saying you couldn't see his talent when he was in One Direction, because clearly, if he was in one of the best boy bands at the time, he had to be vocally talented. But this song established his own style, what he was going for, what he wanted to do. And Sign of the Times, especially the buildup to where he is just belting these gorgeous vocals and talking about just the mom's life and the lyrics. And it's fantastic. Again, I don't have words to describe it. It's just on an musical level on a production level it feels like a huge orchestration buildup like 
it's a spiritual moment. I'm not going to lie. But again, sign of the times. I'm sure you've probably heard it before, but I highly recommend you go and listen to it with a new perspective or just listen to it and kind of do nothing while you're listening to it and kind of piece, like pick apart each piece of the song and find meaning in it because it's very popular, but it's also incredible. And I think it absolutely deserves every inch of popularity it has. So that's kind of my spiel on Scent of the Times. I think From the Dining Table and Ever Since New York are definitely more underrated, but they both are very different. From the Dining Table is one that I find myself listening to a lot because on a vocal level, it's not as hard as Sign of the Times for Styles, but when you get to the bridge, he has this really interesting layering that he does, but we'll talk about that in a second. So From the Dining Table just has this like really nice, simple guitar chords in the back and kind of this picking pattern. And it kind of feels like he's just talking to you about how he feels at the time or writing in a journal. And it has a very languid type of feeling to it where you kind of feel like you're just kind of pacing in a hallway, not really doing anything, trying to figure out how you feel. And I think in specific, the chorus is my favorite part because he says the lyric, comfortable silence is so overrated. And then even my phone misses your call, by the way. So it's almost like a voicemail left the following morning after a breakup or after a fight. And that's when we kind of get into the bridge where he sings the bridge three times, but every time there's a new vocal layer added and a new harmony until there's like a small choir singing it at the end. And then it goes back to just styles and the finger picking. So a very simple song, but it's very beautiful. And I would highly recommend that one. And then there's Ever Since New York, which is written about how Harry's stepdad had cancer and all you kind of want is good news. So this song is definitely more kind of folksy in like folk rock centered. That's what I was thinking of. And for me, the song kind of reminds me of a first snowfall after a really long winter. I know that doesn't really make sense, but it's like the first and last snowfall. That's what the song reminds me of. My favorite lyric is, oh, tell me something I don't already know. And it's, it's a really good song. I, again, I, I'm so bad at describing this, but I think on a musical level, he just kind of goes into this stage where it's a very vulnerable stage for him. And it has these really awesome guitar riffs in the back and it's overall a really good song. I would really recommend it. This song, in terms of it being like a fall vibe, it just kind of reminds me of just hanging out in my room and just watching the leaves change and watching them fall and a storm blow in. And that's very specific imagery. I'm well aware of that. But I would hope you'd be able to kind of see that if it helps. I have a really big window in my room so I can kind of see everything. I can see my neighborhood, kind of watch life pass me by and just be a bystander to the commotion of everything going on. And that's the vibe I get out of this album. So I hope that helps. If it doesn't, I'm very sorry, but yeah. And that finally brings us to the end. Thank you for hanging out with me the entire time. Again, I am a new podcaster. I am still learning how to pace and talk and 
be a lot smoother with my sentence structure. <laughs> but I just really appreciate you all listening. I was really excited to start this podcast because I've always really wanted a podcast. And it's going to be a little rough and bumpy the first couple of episodes, but I'm really hoping I'll get my foot on the ground, kind of feel my way around and get things a lot smoother. So we're doing some trial and error right now, but I really appreciate you listening. I highly recommend you go listen to all those albums. Tell me what you think. They are all so fantastic in their own right. And I think that everyone can find something they like in each of those albums. And music is my favorite thing. I love sharing the songs that I'm listening to. And I hope we can all just have a great conversation about it at some point. So again, that brings us to the end. It brings us to our song of the week. Thank you to Anchor again. And I hope you all have a fantastic rest of your week. And for those of you who are heading into winter and getting some colder temperatures this week like I am, stay warm, keep it positive, keep it going. And if you're lucky enough to be somewhere with a warmer climate, just know I'm extremely jealous of you and I still hope you have a great week. Alright, I'm very excited about the song of the week. So this song of the week, I think it just reminds me of fall because that's all I've been listening to this fall. It's Yellow by Coldplay. So I feel like if you are single and if you're in a relationship, you can highly relate to this song. For me, I take it in the sad way. In like a breakup where it wasn't fully mutual on the breakup stage. And I feel like if you're in a relationship and you're just really in love with somebody, great. Perfect for you. Glad you're happy. <laughs> but anyways, this is Yellow by Coldplay. It's one of my favorite songs. I'm not a huge Coldplay person, but I love this song so much. So give it a listen if you really like it.